Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North. Doing good already. This Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. I am 99% certain today that on this recording day, we are officially cursed. Technical problems on top of technical problems on top of technical problems. Whew. Hopefully there won't be anything else. Kind of like how those of you at home with those older but still very nice smart TVs. Well, um, you're in for some bad news. Netflix is going to stop working on a large number of older smart TVs starting next month. Oof. So apparently Netflix is changing the way their backend works and older systems, and especially those that are integrated, such as on Samsung smart TVs, and I can also confirm on Vizio smart TVs. And granted, these are older ones. Um, where unfortunately we are not sure of what the um the exact model of smart TVs are. But the point is, is that well, there's a decent chance your built-in software for accessing those sort of services they could be going away soon. That. Actually, could be bad news for a lot of people. Now, there is a there is a workaround for this. You can just get a Chromecast. Uh, the manufacturer themselves are recommending Roku specifically. That seems to just be like the go to for cheap turning a uh, dumb TV into a smart TV is the Roku. Of course, I personally, as someone who likes making my life harder for myself, just use a Chromecast and just kind of jury-rig smart TV functionality into it by just Chromecasting my phone up there. Which works, except when it doesn't. Like, honestly, it works fine for my Plex, for my YouTube, but trying to get Twitch up for whatever reason... It feels like you're pulling teeth half the time. But I digress. Samsung specifically has put put out a notification to everyone saying, hey, this is going to happen. I only know of Vizio in particular because family actually started questioning me about this. Because, of course, they don't know. I watch Netflix on my TV. I, I don't know. And says it's going to be gone. How fix? You, tech family guy, figure it out. And of course, for me personally, it's a bit rough just because I've never touched a Roku. Like I said, I just hooked up a Chromecast and called it a day. So, whoops. Wah, wah. But yeah, that's, I do have one other bit of security news. As you know, with Eagle Eyes on Tech, we usually start off with security updates and that sort of thing. But um, honestly, the, the, the last bit of security stuff I have, 
it's going to be best for later. Shifting gears radically, though, Facebook wants to rebrand itself. Oh, boy. This is going to be good. (laughs) So, Facebook put out a press release. And they just blatantly said, like, introducing our new company brand. From I'm going to read out the press release word for word and then comment on it. I'm going to try and do this, as difficult as it is, with a straight face. Facebook started as a single app. Now, 15 years later, we offer a suite of products that help people connect to their friends and families and find communities and grow businesses. Today, we're updating our company branding to be clearer about the products that come from Facebook. We are introducing a new company logo to further distinguish the Facebook company from the Facebook app which will keep its own branding. The new branding was designed for clarity that uses custom typography and capitalization to create a visual distinction between the company and app. People should know that which companies make the products they use. Our main services include Facebook app, Messenger, Instagram, WhatsApp, Oculus, Workplace, Portal, and Calibra. These apps and technologies have shared infrastructure for years that the teams behind them frequently work together. We start being clearer about the products and services that we are, that, I'm sorry, that are part of Facebook years ago, adding a company endorsement to products like Oculus, Workplace, and Portal. And in June, we began including from Facebook within all our apps. Over the coming weeks, we will start using the brand within our products and marketing materials, including a new company website. All right. So on one hand, I do appreciate this. Because it is extremely difficult to remember who the heck had what. I mean, let's be honest. Did you remember the... Did you... Let's go over some of these, actually. Like, I'm sure a lot of you remember that Facebook bought Oculus, but... What about some of these other ones? Like, I forgot about Workplace. I forgot WhatsApp was part of Facebook now. I knew Instagram and Messenger was, which is hilarious. The number of people I hear, oh, forget Facebook. They're just a corporate shell of what they used to be. They're just out for my data. But I love Instagram. I love, 
I love sharing everything on Instagram. I feel safe on Instagram. It's the same thing. Also, I've never heard of Calibra and Workplace. I'm not sure where that puts, if that means they're, if they're just insignificant or am I just out of touch? It could just be I have too much on my plate and just can't keep up with all this. There's a lot to remember with, with this sort of thing. So I, for one, am glad that Facebook is going to go ahead and put their rainbow slowly color shading gradient in caps locked aerial font to let me know which apps are going to absolutely harvest my data. Oh, Calibra is the is the company that that's holding their uh their cryptocurrency that's having a hard time escaping anything, really. Yeah, because I just kept calling, everyone just kept calling it Libra, Facebook's Facebook currency that you should never buy. Like, I was 99% certain that was the full name. Facebook's, Libra, Facebook's cryptocurrency you should never buy. That was the name of it. They might as well have done it with Comic Sans, since, says Lich, Lich Smash in the chat. Uh, you know what? I would have awarded bonus points if Facebook actually did do it in Comic Sans with the slowly rainbow color shifting gradient they got going on. I would have actually applaud, applaud them. I still wouldn't support them, but I would at least clap my hands for them. In radically different news, uh, Steam wants to get on the whole cloud gaming thing because everyone is nowadays and, and wanting to just further and further the whole concept of owning your own hardware and taking pride in your gaming rig is so last year. It's all about accepting terrible limitations and letting other people who can't even keep track of passwords make sure that you have the latest and greatest in gaming technology. And there's definitely no one out there that enjoys tinkering with, with their own hardware. No one. No, that's that's not a real thing at all. But Steam also wants to get on that bandwagon. Yay! Now, to, to be fair, though, the concept of the Steam Cloud is mildly interesting because there are some references to the fact that it might just be a hub for other cloud gaming services. Which, I mean, that could be interesting. Now, that being said, Steam, let me build my own gaming cloud. Come on. Let me do it. It'll be fun and exciting, and only complete idiots like me would want to do it, but let me do it. It'll be so much fun. No, I'm actually serious. Please. 
please include that and have it be good. I know they've been working on it, and I know that it kind of exists, but not really. But holy cow, I would, like, I, I am dead serious. I would love to be able to take one of my servers over there, load in, like, say, an RTX 2080 Ti, assuming I could afford one, and just actually go ahead and just whip out, like, a 7-inch netbook and just start playing, like, Crisis or something just absurdly high-end on it. Like, yeah, I get the appeal of it, but I feel it's just empty and hollow if it's just, like, you're connecting to, like, some soulless data center out in the middle of nowhere. Especially if it's Stadia, a service that promises the moon, but they've already shown us the hardware they're using, and we know it's physically not possible for the moon to be delivered. Negative latency. Give me a break. Oh, man. That being said, though, like Lich Smash in the chat said, data caps are still a thing. Keep that in mind. And that article only just talked about what I heard. <laughs> Moved on to the next topic, and it was just like, oh, right. I just talked about that, the part where it could, in fact, be a hub. I digress, though. In other weird news, there are rumors coming out of Digitimes saying that Apple could, in fact, be partnering with Valve to develop that whole Apple AR headset that pops up here and there. So... I've kind of laughed off the idea of an AR headset. It might finally be time to to say, you know what? There's enough rumors of this going around. We're going to be probably seeing this next year or the year after. Like, we're finally out of the speculation and plotting thing and I, I think Apple might actually be close to a real product now Unjust Man in the chat is questioning Valve's credibility as a game developer <laughs> well I mean they are listed as a game developer that being said though what was the last game Valve made Did they make anything after Portal 2? Oh, they made Portal Bridges. That is true. Portal Bridges is a thing. Half-Life 3. Yep. Yep, you nailed it. Valve made Half-Life 3. That was that was a good time about how Half-Life 3 broke all the glass ceilings. And revolutionized voice commands and 
paid us millions of dollars upon receiving it and came in a gold case and uh, with a unicorn. The artist... True, true, true DK Zero in the chat said Valve should name themselves artists formerly known as developers. <laughs> oh... Their emblem is, their name is now just the Steam logo, and under it's just the 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 um the developers formerly known as Valve. All right, so let's shift gears again, wildly and radically. T-Mobile a while back wanted wanted to merge with sprint t-mobile and sprint are pretty much the bottom two in nationwide cell phone carriers in the u.s the four big ones are at&t verizon sprint and t-mobile t-mobile and sprint want to merge to be a much more viable competition to verizon who is i don't know like a four out of ten and AT&T, who is like the EA of cell phones. Well. To try and sweeten the deal, to have officials allow the merger, which, by the way, has not happened yet. They want to offer free home internet to households with a $15 a month wireless phone plans. The thing is, though, is that this is restricted to low-income housing. So before you get your hopes too high, the whole point of this is to just be like, you know, if you approve us, we can go and provide this service to the less fortunate. Uh Uh-huh. It's it's basically, it's almost plain politics. It kind of is, really. But the whole point of it is, in fact, to kind of incentivize the whole approving of the deal so that the new T-Mobile, which, by the way, when Sprint and T-Mobile merge, which I feel, I feel almost at this point is going to be a when rather than an if, It will be named the new T-Mobile. Sprint's name is just going to be gone. On top of that, there is going to be a cap on the free home internet. I believe it's... I just saw it here. Why can't I see anything? I believe it was like a hundred gigs per. I can't find it anywhere. I know there's a cap. I know that for a fact on the home internet. But regardless, that is the game that T-Mobile will be playing in order to try and approve them eating up Sprint. Yay! 
I have, I'm not sure how I feel about this. I mean, honestly, the whole mobile cell, the whole cell phone world right now is just a mess. Because right now, AT&T and Verizon are moving forward with the current terrible way of doing 5G, which is small 5G towers mounted on, on the light posts and can't penetrate indoors and has short ranges, but high performance. And it's just nothing. Actually, I take that back. Verizon's doing that. AT&T is still trying to sell LTE as 5G. But um Yeah, we're still disappointing you AT&T. T-Mobile on the other hand is working on 5G that would be a bit more traditional. Longer range, able to actually penetrate through buildings and not be as unstable as heck, which is what the other model of 5G actually is. I'm just saying 5G is not mature yet. Kind of like how AT&T just isn't mature, like, at all. Like, here, here's a fun one for you. AT&T added a bonus to people who have older uh, cell phone plans. You know, you get an extra 15 gigabytes added to your data cap if you're on an older obsolete plan. That's great, right? You know, if you're on one of these older plans, you can you can just have 15 gigs. It's better, right? At the additional cost of $10 a month, but it's 15 free gigs. By the way, it's not opt out. It's 15 gigs. It's happening whether you like it or not. If you're on an older plan, it's 15 gigs. It's it's it's, it's for the best, right? Uh uh. Seriously, ATT, what were you thinking? Why? But like, here's the best part. I've actually had to now deal with AT&T for our work. By the way, I hate them. <laughs> I, I just, full disclosure, I hate AT&T. And if, I, and if I had my way at work, we would dump AT&T like a hot potato. They are terrible at everything they do. Like, just no question about it. Can't even get fiber right. Bunch of dinguses. At least in my area. Your area might might vary. But the thing is, is that what AT&T would normally do, and they actually did this for our work, is that they would just keep you in the old plan. Like, our old model had us with, like, an internet speed of one down and point two up because that's all we needed to do credit card transactions. And they still charge us the old rate. And when we finally brought it up, when I finally brought it up with them, 
they're just like, oh, well, um, we could just for that same price, we can get you a fiber line with 50 down and 50 up. First off, the concept of a fiber line doing only 50 symmetrical offends me. Legitimately offends me. That's like taking a Dodge Challenger and driving it 25 miles an hour on the freeway. Why on earth would you do that? Or a Tesla Roadster. For those who don't know what a Dodge Challenger is. The question really does have have to be brought up. In fact, Let's Smash in the chat brought it up. How does this not trigger any sort of fines? Now, granted... At the time of recording this, this story is only two days old. And the speed of government is slow. We might actually see something happening about that. What I don't get is why the heck at t didn't just kill the plans. If it's a problem... Just kill it. Let them go to something else. Why do this? It, I will never understand AT&T. They just seem to be... Just... If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. So with that, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the new Microsoft Edge browser... And the AMD Super CPUs. We will be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, we talked about it a bit in the past. About how Microsoft's Edge was going to be moving over to run on Chromium. Well, it's going to be happening. Official. For realsies. And it is coming out on January 15th. January 15th is the release date for it. And on top of all that... It's going to be having a new logo. So you forget about the old Edge. So you forget about it. Now, here's the funny thing. The new logo is more radically different from the old Edge logo than the Edge logo was from Microsoft Internet Explorer. Quick, raise of hands. How many of you, when Windows 10 came out, just thought Edge was the new Internet Explorer? That it wasn't a radically different browser from the ground up?
Now, for this crowd, that's a bad question because most people listening to this are more than likely in the know. But you know plenty of people just assumed that Edge was IE. It was just, okay, it's the default browser. Let me go download Firefox or Chrome. That, that's all Edge was. It was the download device for Firefox or Chrome. And Edge went out of its way to say, hey, hey, we're better. We're better, I swear. We, we can get you better battery life. Like, it was in our face. Face and actually start and actually I would argue that was when Windows 10 started pushing Edge in your face. That was the start of the slide to hating Windows 10. Like Windows 10 when it first came out, people were just like, "Oh, hey, this is nice. I kind of like this. This is better than Windows 8." Oh well, the automatic updates. That's obnoxious but everything else is fine now you're telling me to use your browser and automatic updates are becoming way more annoying like that started the i swear that started the slide but regardless a while back microsoft gave up They are now going to be using Chromium. And that's going to power the new Edge browser. Woohoo! The new logo, though, for those who aren't here live when we're recording the podcast, kind of looks like a swoosh. It looks almost like a wave curling in on itself, except the tip is green. Or kind of like the swirl on a Tide Pod. However, the logo is safer to eat than an actual Tide Pod. Go ahead, try to eat the Edge Browser logo. Do it. Come on, it'll be fun and exciting. Rayco in the chat pointed out that it also looks like a blue-green version of the Firefox logo. It kind of does. It kind of does. But, in any case, we will be seeing it January 15th. And, you know what that also means? There's going to be a forced update on January 15th. Mark your calendars, for that is when... Microsoft will demand you restart in 15 minutes and not give you a choice about it. Seriously, stop the mandatory updates. Let me choose when to do it. It's not that hard. Oh, by the way, Photoshop now exists for the iPad for those who wanted that. Oh, none of you wanted it? Oh, well, too bad. I take that back. Photoshop for for the iPad could be very 
interesting. But I imagine those who actually use Photoshop professionally, um, they are either angrily glaring at their screens right now or rolling on the floor laughing. Oh, boy. Now, as far as I'm aware... Photoshop for the iPad is not going to be as feature-packed as the PC version. More than likely because it's an iPad. And in a related story, it's also an iPad. What I really want to see... When is Adobe going to make Adobe Premiere for the iPad? Come on, it'll be fun and exciting. I want to see that little iPad just absolutely cook itself trying to render a video. Plus, it'll be brilliant. You can just shoot the video on your terrible nothing megapixel camera that's built into the iPad. And you can just edit it all right then and there and then watch it spontaneously combust. As it tries to render it. It'll be great. It'll be fun. It'll be exciting. Come on. We, we we need to encourage this. This will be amazing. And yes, I know iMovie already exists for the iPad and iPhone. But I mean, when push comes to shove, actual creative professionals that use Adobe Premiere and Adobe Photoshop actually use very sophisticated hardware so that they have perfect accuracy so they can actually go and make sure they edit this sort of stuff with the utmost with the best color accuracy that there is kind of like using the dell's two thousand dollar new monitor nailed it there's there's a transition for you Yes, Dell has revealed a new 27-inch <laughs> ultra-sharp monitor. Ultra-sharp is Dell's uh, basically highest-end professional brand for monitors. The thing that's kind of unique about this is that, A, the 4K monitor only connects using Thunderbolt 3. Although it does include other connections. But for best performance, it's a Thunderbolt monitor. And it has a built-in colorometer. To make sure that the colors on the screen are as color accurate as possible. And you know what makes this thing really amazing? What makes this a true excellent monitor? For creative professionals. It comes with the stand. You don't have to pay a thousand dollars for the monitor stand. <laughs> oh, God. You, you know, that's the sad thing. The moment I started talking about monitors, first question that pops up, and I'll credit Lit Smash in the chat for, for, for coming up with it first. Does it include, does it stand cost $1,000 and sold separately? No. 
its stand is included, and yes, its stand includes all the same features and more than the Apple than the Apple XDR whatever the heck stand. <laughs> oh god, that meme is never gonna die, is it? I still don't get why they just why did they do that? Why is the stand sold separately on a five thousand dollars stand? Now, one thing, maybe it actually is mentioned here before I say anything, but I'm 90% certain that the that the peak brightness is not as high as the XDR monitor. It's not. It's only 250 nits. So that's one thing that the $5,000 Apple monitor has over the, um, that, that's one thing the Apple monitor has over this Dell one. It's four times the brightness. Which, as I understand, actually is important for color creation, despite the fact that um, the brightness on the XDR screen just seems like it's something that would sear my retinas. The other thing is that it's an LED edgelet system, not a full backlight, which... Okay. What do I know, then? In weirder news, though, LG is going to be getting a bunch of their OLED uh, TVs to have NVIDIA G-Sync via a firmware update. So if you really wanted to, you could just get an LG OLED screen and have your your G-Sync. Just built in because why not why not i mean how many of you gamers out there just want to make sure that you have g-sync on your tv i mean i could see this being useful the real question is though if it's just a firmware update isn't there hardware that's needed for that like, I'm pretty certain that's how that works. Has the hardware always been in there for to support G-Sync? And it's only being updated now? Hmm. Something seems weird here. Google Maps is getting incognito mode for their mobile users. So now you too, while on your Android phone, can discreetly go and look up that strip joint you want no one to know you visited. Look, all joking aside, I'm glad there is an incognito mode, because realistically, I would much rather there be the ability for, for you to not be tracked than to just always be tracked. Like, I've talked about this in the past. Going from uh, using an iPhone for three years back to Android... It was a little bit of a shock to the system to see just how easily 
the phone tracks you and makes recommendations based on that. It was a little jarring. Not that I really care. Good job, Google. You now know just how boring my travel life is. Yeah. Now, this article I included for a radically different reason than what you may think. Gigabyte has now launched what they're calling the Aurora's RTX 2080 Ti gaming box. It is an external GPU that has a 2080 Ti built into the box. The thing is, by the looks of it, it is built in. You cannot, unlike other external GPU enclosures, take it off, pop out whatever card was in it, and pop in a new one. It is only going to have this GPU in it, which, granted, is the best GPU out there that isn't a Titan or a Quadro, but still. Here's the real reason I'm talking about this. Is there a reason to get this over one that's upgradable? Like, seriously, who is this for? Like, first off, the need for an external GPU for mobile gaming is starting to diminish a bit. It's starting to come back now, but most of it's been gone since the gap between mobile GPUs and desktop ones has narrowed significantly since external GPUs started making the scene. But this one in particular, the fact that it's not upgradable. The fact that it is just... There's no upgrade path for this thing. Most people who get an external GPU... They're the kind of person who... You, you just don't see someone who doesn't want to tinker with stuff getting an external GPU. Like, is there a customer base out there that would want to get an external GPU like this for, say, what's a good example? You know, actually, now that I just started piecing this together, I know exactly who this is for. It's for MacBook Pro users. It just hit me. Just this minute. Because let's be honest, if you're getting this for, say, your Dell XPS or your HP Envy laptop or your Lenovo ThinkPad X1 Carbon or your Razorblade Stealth, Alienware still has a better external GPU enclosure. 
Someone in the chat mentioned, mentioned Alienware. Alienware has their own. And even though that its own system is built on a proprietary format, it doesn't use Thunderbolt, you can at least still take it apart and upgrade it. All the other ones, you know, it's just a box with a PCI Express slot in it and a power supply. Yeah, this model is smaller because it's all proprietary and all built into one system. But yeah, the MacBook Pro user. The one that's too afraid to take the bottom off their laptop. But yeah, speaking of Alienware, let's shift gears. Because I mean... My, my last my last thought. Aside from hooking it up to a system that just doesn't have a GPU with any real power, like a MacBook Pro, like an ultralight, I don't see a point to external GPUs anymore. Their use is starting. I didn't say it's gone, but it's starting to fade away as we're able to put more powerful GPUs into laptops it's not like the old day where the gtx 580m was like a third of the power of the gtx 580 all right with that let's shift actually over to alienware so alienware launched a laptop that I wish I had. The laptop was known as the Area 51M. It is a thick, and I do mean thick, gaming laptop. But the thing it prided itself on was the ability for it to be upgraded. It had a desktop CPU socket inside it. And used its own custom modular GPU setup. Since, well, MXM is... Unfortunately, has seen the end of existence, but it might be coming back. But at the time that the Area 51M was made, the MXM slot, which is what modular laptop GPUs used to use, pretty much vanished. But the concern when Alienware revealed this laptop is, okay, yeah, the CPU socket's going to depend on Intel supporting that socket for the next generation, but what about that GPU? How do we know you're going to make the parts? How do we know that you are going to make GPUs that are supporting this form factor? Well, Alienware has now officially Officially released both the cooler and GPUs in what they're calling upgrade kits for the Area 51M. You can now, if you went ahead and ordered an ordered a weaker 51M, you can now get a kit to upgrade 
the GPU to an RTX 2070 or 2080. Unfortunately, there are no mobile versions of the RTX 2070 Super or RTX 2080 Super for mobile. But quite frankly, that's that's just going down another rabbit hole that just makes me angry. Seriously, NVIDIA, what the heck are you doing with these names? It just makes my head hurt. It makes my head hurt like nobody's business. All right, and finally, before we get to our last break, we now officially have new real information about the Threadripper CPUs. I'll be real honest, this fell off my radar for a bit. Just because far too many people were releasing conflicting rumored information. Of which a good chunk of it turned out to be wrong. Heck, even when this ended up coming back on my radar on the honest release days, all I could find for a while was just conflicting bad info. For the Threadripper CPUs. But here's what we got. First off, the platform for the new Threadripper CPUs is officially called the TRX40 platform. And it does feature a new socket. So if you had an old Threadripper CPU, it is not compatible with the new one. But what we do see is a lot of good. So far, we're only being told of two of the Threadripper CPUs. They are the 3960X, which is a 24-core CPU with a base frequency. I want to clarify, this is the base frequency. Of 3.7 gigahertz. With a max turbo of 4.5 gigahertz. A combined cache of 140 megabytes. It's a 7 nanometer part. With a TDP of 280 watts. And 72 PCI Express 4.0 lanes. 72 PCI Express lanes. Wow. That CPU will cost $1,399. Comparing this to last year's part around the same core count is $100 more. Their top dog, the 3970X, is a 32-core part, 64 64 threads, base clock of 3.8 gigahertz, a max turbo of 4.5 gigahertz, combined cache of 144 megabytes, again, a 280-watt TDP, 7 nanometers as well, and 72 PCI Express lanes for 2 thousand dollars 
So on one hand, I'm disappointed to see the price went up, but on the other hand, holy cow! That is some insane numbers. Now, in AMD's own uh, video promoting these, there was a heavy focus on content creators. Developers, 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 developers was the focus. They might be running, by, they might be ran by Steve Steve Ballmer in the background, but I digress. These are not aimed to be gaming chips. Most games wouldn't know how to comprehend that many cores anyway. That being said, though. These could be very interesting virtualization CPUs. And it actually would be kind of funny to go and figure out, hey, what if I virtualize this one machine with this many cores down to two? Take that 24-core system, throw four of those cores aside as a gamer portion, and the remaining 20 rig, 20 cores, we'll say 18, have two of those cores just for running, say, I don't know, Unraid in the background as well. Make it a small storage server running running the virtualization all that jazz. And using those 18 cores for the streaming portion. Huh. Hmm. I'm getting ideas. Which means I should probably stop. Those processors will launch on November 25th. In addition, there is also going to be an overclockable dual-core Athlon chip. And that chip's going to be $50. You know, you laugh, but... uh. 50 bucks for an overclockable CPU could be some interesting stuff there. And oh, by the way, while you're contemplating your next PC build, Lisa Sue, the CEO of AMD, has confirmed Ryzen 4000 chips are going to be coming early 2020. So in just four months, we could be seeing Ryzen 4000. Hmm. Kind of makes you wonder if you should be doing your builds now. There's a thought. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get to the weird stories, including laser hacking. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. There's been... There's been like a... Uh, a race. 
to see who the heck can um, can come up with self-driving cars the soonest. And we feel like we're really close. Like, like everyone feels that, right? Like, we're just, we're getting so close. Self-driving cars. We can have a self-driving car in, in the year 2525. That's real close, right? Right? But then you get stories like this. That make you go, wait, what? Tesla's autopilot can now detect cr- traffic cones. Really? Wait, 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 wait. It couldn't before? How the heck have we not had stories about, like, an autopilot Tesla, like, barreling through a construction zone? Doesn't it seem like if this was actually the case, we would have heard about this in in one way or another by now? Holy cow! It couldn't detect traffic cones. It just, just, just... Maybe I just thought we were further ahead than, than, than I thought we were. I could have swore we were long past this. Wow. Now, that being said, if I use irregular traffic cones or, ooh, better yet, if I use uh, traffic triangles, is that going to throw off the Tesla? I mean, don't get me wrong. I get it. I get this is a big advancement for for self-driving technology i get that but with the way everyone's been talking this felt this felt like this should have been an accomplishment a couple of years ago in other in other where the heck is the level of technology news we have my phone just restarted itself. What the? Okay, I am sorry for being super distracted, but while I'm recording this, my phone just turned itself off to do a system update. I told it to do this, to do it at 2 a.m. last night. In other news of, I thought we were past this. Google, how the heck did you get worse at updating your systems? Like my old Samsung phone at least did the update when it was told. How did it get worse? Anyway, while I try to not be distracted by my phone updating itself, 
we have here the CanDo QOO Cam, which is the smallest 8K 360-degree camera that can fit in your pocket. So now you too can film at 360, can film 360 in 8K. By the way, for those recording in 8K, good luck getting your system to be able to handle that footage. It is not easy. Also, that being said, how good's the quality? Like, is this going to be a good upgrade from, say, what used to be the gold standard for 8K? Hmm. Can it shoot at a normal angle? Also, how good is 8K now that it can just be in your pocket? This just raises more questions the more I think about it. Adobe is previewing an AI feature that can, in fact, detect if the picture has been altered with Photoshop. This is what it's come down to. Photoshopping is now getting so good, which by the way, yes, I am amused that photoshopping that Photoshop is a verb in addition to a noun. That the makers of Photoshop need to create an AI to determine if their own product was used to alter a, a photo. On the bright side, though, this will save me tons of trips over over to 4chan to determine if this picture has been, quote, shooped. So, there you go. All right, I, I there we should also point out for those in the in this 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 article from the verge that we're using here also does in fact have an ad for Photoshop built into it. Just saying. All right, this brings us to our two weirdest stories, and I'm not going to lie, it was a hard decision to figure out which one should have the the title Weirdest Story of the Week. But first off, researchers have successfully hacked smart speaker devices using lasers. For whatever reason, by using these lasers, they are able to send commands to an echo device 
a HomePod device, or a Google Home device by shining lasers at them. And they have successfully sent commands to do things like unlock doors. You know what the best part is? They don't know why this works. <laughs> don't you love it? When the researchers demonstrating the exploit just go, I, I don't know why this works. We just shine lasers at the microphone and it worked. So yeah, uh, more proof that um, as cool as these home smart speaker devices are, they are just turning out to be a bigger and bigger problem for your home security. And with that, we bring us to the last burb, the last story of the day, and the weirdest story of the day. From CNET. Why is my... My phone will not stop chirping. It's driving me nuts. It just reset for its updates. And I was just going... Boodoop. 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 It is like a handful of chirps away from just being chucked down the hall. Don't. All right. Here's the headline from CNET. Delayed Valentine's Day messages were sent on every network overnight. A maintenance update led to 168,149 undelivered messages on Valentine's Day. To then be pushed out on Wednesday night. That would be on doo -doo 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 -doo, on November 6th. And you know what the best part was? The messages were sent on Valentine's Day two years ago. And this affected users on T-Mobile, Sprint, Verizon, AT&T, Bell, Google Fi, and Google Hangouts. And yes, it affected iPhones and Android phones. Well, I can confirm that I did not, in fact, have... Anyone message me on Valentine's Day two years ago? Oh, but then again, I mean, you could use this for some very weird, cruel pranks. That's going to do it for me for this week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Be sure to also check out my weekly podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, which you can find at pretty much 
any podcasting source across the world, including iTunes, Google, iHeartRadio, all the major platforms. And also make sure to check out my Twitch streams at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care, rest well, and have a great week. Bye-bye. Well, now that my phone reset, I can confirm once again that nobody loved me on Valentine's two years ago still. Feels bad, man. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait, no, that's just my two-factor authentication code for Twitch. Yep, nope, still in love two years ago. Is QuickBooks slowing your business down? Do you have challenges managing inventory, project profitability, or just getting paid fast enough? Get your business to a better place and graduate to NetSuite today. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and all the old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need, all in one place, instantaneously. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com info. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com info, netsuite.com info.